everyone, and welcome to Colored Red, a podcast that's all about Colorado true crime. I'm your host, Laura. I have a super short case for you today, but incredibly tragic. As I have many times before, I'm using a book called Murder in the Mile High City, The First Hundred Years by Linda Womack um, with Linda Jones. This pair, at least Linda Womack, has done a number of different, a lot of research in the Denver area for murders, and I use this book quite a lot. But as I said, this is a short case from Denver in the spring of 1943. It's short, but it's disturbing enough at the time to be printed in newspapers all across the country, coast to coast. It was front page news in many states for a little while. In many ways, it's a story of what happens when a woman in 1943 felt like she had nowhere to turn. And it's definitely a story that made me feel lucky to live in the time that we do. Problems and all. (laughs) This story starts with a strange odor. This strange odor was detected by a man named Noah Layton, who was an apartment manager in downtown Denver. Noah made his way into the basement of the apartment complex he managed, and he began searching around in some belongings of tenants down there to find the source of the smell that he had uh, been smelling. What he ended up opening was a small, intricately painted wooden linen chest or hope chest, whatever you want to call it. Upon cracking the lid of the chest, he knew that he had found the source of the smell. Inside were three small cardboard boxes that were wet with putrefaction. Inside each cardboard box was the body of a newborn baby. The manager then, of course, called the police, and they found out that the chest belonged to a tenant named Bernice Williams. The deputy coroner, whose name was Gus Economy, for real, decided from a cursory examination of the children that they weren't all put into the chest at the same time based on sort of different levels of decomposition. And he wasn't quite sure at that point how they had died, whether they were stillborn, dead from natural causes, or killed. During their examination of the babies in the chest, police located Bernice at her job and asked her to come to her apartment for questioning from the police. She quietly arrived and she appeared incredibly somber and dull in the face. And before investigators could even greet her, she quickly declared, I know what you're here for. Some newspapers went on a roll with this story, and as they did back then, they referred to Bernice as a statuesque blonde career girl, and they really editorialized it. Other newspapers described her as having dark hair, and the pictures do show dark hair, so I'm going to say that she definitely had dark hair. Bernice had been raised in a normal working-class home and had graduated from high school at the age of 16 with honors. She had been awarded a college scholarship, but instead she chose to basically just move out and live on her own and do her own career path. So she began working at a local department store with the goal of becoming a manager and moving her way up the corporate ladder. Over the next years, she continued to get salary increases and promotions, and she was able to afford a nice apartment on her own, which was not unheard of, but not really that typical for women back then. And one article says that she was even able to afford movers to take her things to new places. And all the while, these movers were carting around this chest. 
In a somewhat ironic twist, Bernice actually ended up becoming the lead buyer of infant clothing in the infant clothing department at this department store that she worked at. So here Bernice stood in her nice apartment on an April day in 1943, and in a stoic and emotionless tone with very little prompting, she told police about the babies in the chest. She explained that she had given birth to three illegitimate babies over the past few years and had methodically drowned each one in a bathtub before hiding them in this chest. She told the police that she killed them because they were, quote, children of sin and that she didn't want anyone else to have them and she didn't believe that she could raise them herself, nor did she really want to. She further explained that she knew one day the babies would be discovered and that she kept them in the basement for that reason. And that gave her some kind of satisfaction or somber way of thinking about it. She really didn't give any explanation as to why she didn't try to dispose of the babies elsewhere or dispose of the chest at any point instead of just carting it around with her. In some weird way, she described that she wanted the babies to be close to her, and she almost wanted it to be discovered one day. So there the babies were, and Bernice carried this deep, dark secret with her to her job at the department store, where she organized infant clothing. The law worked much quicker back then than it does today, and she was brought to trial for the murders only two months later after her arrest. And so the trial began in the summer of 1943. In this trial, the detective named James Childers described Bernice's confession about the babies. The first child was a girl and was born in April of 1941. The second child, also a girl, was born in February of 1942. The third child was a boy and was born only a couple of months before the bodies were discovered in February of 1943. Bernice had said that she carried the babies up until she felt she was a few days from giving birth and she would take three days exactly off of work, give birth alone in her apartment, and then in her own words, quote, I performed what surgery was needed with a pair of scissors. Each baby cried, but I choked off their cries with my hands so that no one could hear. Then I knelt beside the bathtub and held the baby underwater, 20 minutes until I was sure it had drowned. Perhaps an even stranger aspect of this whole case was that no one at Bernice's job ever detected that she was pregnant, even though she continued working up until a few days before giving birth. During the third pregnancy, her mother even moved in with her for some reason, and her mother never detected that she was pregnant. Bernice refused to provide the names of the fathers, but did say that two of the children were from the same father. When she was asked again why she decided to kill the babies, she said, quote, I couldn't help it because they were born. I'm just constituted that way. I'm oversexed. The detectives and the district attorney ordered a psychiatric evaluation of Bernice, which, oddly enough, her defense attorney never considered and never really put in for himself. Nor did her defense attorney contest the results of the evaluation, which declared her as sane. Her attorney also didn't call a single witness, and with that, the trial ended very unceremoniously, and the jury exited to deliberate. And after a long night, the jury, which consisted of 11 married men and one bachelor, all returned the verdict of guilty but not as charged. 
they returned with a lesser verdict option. They found her guilty of second-degree murder, but only of one count for some reason, and they also threw in another charge, which was concealing the birth of an illegitimate child. And I'm not sure if that's a different charge than concealing the birth of a legitimate child. I don't know. Bernice's unwed status was seemed to be just as horrifying to all of the newspapers and to the public and to the jurors as the murders themselves. Every single newspaper article and paper really highlighted Bernice as this oversexed, sex-crazed woman who was unwed, and the fact that she got pregnant out of wedlock was just the absolute worst possible thing to ever happen. The murders themselves took sort of a backseat to that, which tells you about the times then. Bernice displayed no emotion as this verdict was read, but the sentence for second-degree murder was anything from 10 years to life in prison, and some reports say that she received life, and others say that she got 10 to 15 years, and no appeals were ever even so much as attempted in this case. A newspaper article did come out not long after to say that Bernice was refusing to eat in prison and was being force-fed, and thus ended the story of Bernice and her uh, death, the death and murder of her own children. And a part of the story about the fact that neither her mother nor any of her friends ever detected that she was pregnant really strikes me as suspicious. And I, I kind of have this weird feeling that these weren't her kids, but I'm not really sure. Um, there wasn't really a detailed coroner's report that these were, in fact, just born newborns, or if they were slightly older than that, um, it's not really stated. But I find that all to be odd. Some women can carry, apparently, and have it not really be noticed. So I'm going to have pictures online of Bernice at Colored Red Podcast on my Instagram, and I have a Colored Red Podcast Facebook page that the Instagram posts to. And there's going to be pictures of Bernice and of this chest that they found in the basement of this apartment complex. And I promised you guys this was going to be a short one today because that's it. I've got a really interesting story uh, next month about a apartment complex and mansion downtown that's got a long, strange history about it. So until then, guys, until the end of the month, um, I'm going to have a longer episode for you guys. So check out my Instagram at Colored Red Podcast for pictures from this case. And check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash Colored Red Podcast, and donate just $1 per month to receive a sticker and card from me. So until next time. Mm-hmm.